As we uh, move to talking this morning about what the Bible has to say to us today, uh, I'm going to invite us to, uh, to listen to the words of Scripture before we pray together. And I'm going to read from Psalm 32. Uh, if you've got a Bible with you, uh, they're under the seat in front of you, or you can open up the Bible app on your phone and go to Psalm 32. It's one of these songs right in the middle of the Bible. Right in the middle of the Bible is this songbook of the Hebrew people, the Jewish people. 150 songs that were written uh, by different artists, different poets, uh, talking about their experience with God's presence in their life. And David wrote this Psalm 32 about 3,000 years ago. Just try to get your mind around that for a minute. 3,000 years ago, he wrote about his experience with God. And we still have it today to read, these words that he wrote. Uh, We know that because you can find documents that date to before the change between AD and BC. About 100 years BC, we have the scrolls that we can look at today. You can go and see them that record these words, 2,000-year-old scrolls. And they're the same words that are in this book that you're looking at right now, the same words. And so I want to read Psalm 32 to you this morning and allow the Spirit of God to speak to us together. So I want to invite you to stand while I do this. We don't do this often as a church, um, but just out of honoring the words of God, the scriptures, I want to invite you to stand and, and listen as I read Psalm 32, and then we'll pray together. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed are those whose sin the Lord does not hold against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, But the Lord's unfailing love surrounds those who trust him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you with upright, who are upright in heart. You pray with me. Spirit of God, we know that you have inspired these words. We invite you to speak to us this morning. Help us to understand what these ancient words have to say to us today. Help us to hear from you, Spirit of God. Would you encourage us correct us, remind us of what we were created for and whose we are. And we will thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can, you can find a seat. Last Sunday after church, I don't remember if you remember last Sunday, it's a long time ago, a week ago. Uh, it was like almost 70 degrees and sunny. You guys remember this last weekend? And so after church, uh, I, I was like, it's time to get my bike out. Time for a bike ride. I haven't ridden my bike since last summer. And uh, I have had this mountain bike for about 10 years. A friend of mine had had it 10 years before that and got a newer model and gave me his old model. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. And uh, so I've been riding around this 20-year-old mountain bike. 
And so I pumped up the tires and I put on my, my helmet that I have to wear now because my kids won't let me ride without a helmet on. Uh, it kind of reverses when you get older. I don't know if you know that. Uh, so I, I went out and rode and um, just enjoyed the warmth of the day. And as I started heading back to the house, I was coming up to an intersection with four stop signs. And uh, two cars pulled up as I was getting close to that intersection. So I started to slow down, thinking they would go ahead and then I would go through the intersection. But they both stopped and waited for me which is awkward. And uh, one of them rolled down a window and kind of waved me through. So I was kind of just coasting along. So I, I said, okay. So I sped up and I started to turn left through the intersection and my 20-year-old tires are almost bald. And I began to slide on some gravel or something in this intersection. And I, I started to feel the bike coming out from underneath me. And that's when the reflexes kick in, right? I want to talk to you about reflexes for a moment. We have these reflexes, these automatic responses to stimulants. So, so when things happen to us, we, we react or we resp- our muscles move without us even thinking about it. We might realize it later, but in the moment, it just sort of, it just sort of happens. So you're, you're breathing right now, which is a, crim- a chemical process, but there's also a, a reflex that causes you to breathe. If you turn to the person next to you and you blew in their face, they, they would close their eyes because that's a reflex that they have. If I took this water balloon I'm hiding behind my back and I threw it, I'm just kidding, I'm not going to do that. Uh, if I had a water balloon, right? If I threw something at you, you would, you'd have a reflex because it was coming at you. Reflexes, th- these are things that we have that, that help us when we're caught off guard. So the bike's going down, the reflex is you kick your foot out and you, and you stop the fall, you, you balance yourself and, and hold yourself up. We've been talking for a couple weeks about different spiritual practices, spiritual habits that we can engage in spiritual disciplines, to help us encounter God's plan for our lives, to encounter the Spirit of God, to help us grow in our faith. And these spiritual practices actually can create in us new reflexes spiritually, so that when something happens to us, we respond in a different way, not in maybe the human way of doing it. We actually have a different type of supernatural response to stimulus in our world today. So when someone makes fun of you, or puts you down, or makes fun of a friend of yours, The human response is to hit back, right? Someone hits you, you hit them back. Someone says something about you, you say something about them. That's the human response. But with with God's grace, he can create in us a different type of reflex where instead of hitting back, we're we're silent. We seek to understand, why why is this person saying these things? They must be hurting in some way to want to hurt me. What's going on here? We, We forgive. It's a different type of response that we can create as we engage with these spiritual practices. We receive news that's difficult to hear, uh, a diagnosis or a, a bill that's coming or a difficulty that's heading our way, a job loss, something like that. A human response, a human reflex is to start to worry and get anxious, maybe even to get angry. But as we engage with the spiritual disciplines, we can actually create different reflexes, spiritual reflexes. So when that news hits us, instead of anger, we respond with trust that God is with us, that, that he knew this was coming. This news didn't surprise him. And that he's going to be with us in the midst of this journey through this hardship. He's never going to abandon us. We have this reflex that says, I trust you, God. Even though I don't want to face this, I'm going to walk through it with you. And I know you are good and faithful and you will guide me through. That can be a different kind of reflex that we can create as we spiritually train ourselves to live in a different way. We're going to have a seminar on on April 1st, Saturday, April 1st in the afternoon. uh, Kind of like Spiritual Disciplines 101. And we're going to capture all these disciplines and give you like a good package of all of them together. And so that might be a great opportunity you want to consider taking on. But we're going to continue to talk about them on these Sunday mornings together. These different spiritual disciplines that can build reflexes. So my bike is going down and the reflex is to kick out your foot, right? 
but I haven't ridden my bike in nine months, so I had no reflexes. So guess what? I rode that bike all the way down to the road, and I skidded along for about 10 feet on the road. And of course, when you wipe out like that, and there's two people watching you do it, <laughs> your first response is like, I, I stood up, and I looked the eyes of the woman right across me, and she was like, whoa. So then, you, of course, you're like, no problem. I'm good. And you picked up the bike, kind of skip off the intersection, you know. <laughs> Everything's good. You ever walk along and kind of have a little trip, and you're like, oh, I was just going to start jogging. You know, that's all <laughs> part of the plan. So that's why I played it off like it was no big deal. But yeah, I, got, I, got, I wiped out, and it was not pretty. And I want to talk to you this morning about what happens when we wipe out uh, relationally like that, or when we wipe out emotionally like that, when we wreck in the middle of the uh, spiritual intersection with our family, our friends at school, at work, wherever we find ourselves, and we're embarrassed and ashamed. What do we do when we screw up, when we mess up and wipe out? Psalm 32 talks about that. I want to invite you to keep that open in front of you as we look through this psalm together this morning and ask God to give us some wisdom about what do we do when we wipe out relationally, when we wipe out in our lives. It starts, David starts in verse 1, he says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed. It's a word we don't use very often in our normal, everyday language. Someone says, how you doing? You don't often say, I'm feeling blessed, never stressed. You know, that's not usually kind of how that plays out. Uh, blessed is a word that actually captures an idea that you uh, encounter almost every day of your life. It's this idea of a life that you were created for. To be blessed means that you're living your best life, the thing that God made you for, that you're living it out. And just about every day, we're, we're told by advertisers that they've got the solution for us for that blessed life. They've got the way for us to have that best life. Are you hungry? Are you looking for friendship? Are you broke? Are you sick? Well, then just buy this thing, show up at this event, uh, use this product, and you're going to have that life that you've always wanted. You're going to find what you're looking for. You're going to have the good life. David calls it the blessed life. The blessed person is the one living out this life of, of peace and joy and power and community. It's, it's the good life. I don't know what your idea of the good life is. If I was to sit with you and say, what's, what's the good life for you? You'd probably have some ideas. For me, it's like Friday morning, waking up on my day off and jumping in the car with Angela and going to a breakfast spot and getting some coffee and bacon and eggs and talking. That's the good life for me. It's sitting down with someone who's following Jesus and hearing about how God is working in their life, how he's blessing them and encouraging them. That's, that's the good life, a place of fulfillment and purpose, a place of energy and God's presence. So David writes, oh, the wonder of the good life, the life of a person who, and here's his image, it's the person who is deeply flawed and broken and forgiven. He says, oh, blessed is the person, the good life for that person who understands their sin and failure and their need for change. That's not often what we're sold in advertisements. But David says the blessed life starts in the brokenness of our real lives. The blessed life, the good life that you're looking for is found in our failure and in the forgiveness that Jesus comes to bring us. It isn't the perfect life. It's understanding that we are in need and that there is one who has opened up a way for us to have a life that we were created for, that we can be changed, we could be transformed into a different type of life. And embracing that is not always easy, because at least for many of us, because the culture we live in, where we find ourselves today, most people today feel like, you know what? Uh, I'm good just the way I am. People will tell you, you're perfect just the way you are. 
Anything that you have in your heart to do, you should just do that thing. Whatever comes out of your heart, that's what you should do, as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else. All your, follow your instincts. Do what you think is right. You get to define what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is not so good. That, you get to make that up. And here David seems to say, but there's actually a different reality. And it's a reality that I think we actually start to encounter in those quiet moments, in those moments of silence in between episodes of The Mandalorian, or where we're waiting for that next song on Spotify to load. You know, there's those moments of quiet where we start to actually think about our lives. And we, we remember that we hurt someone, or that we hurt ourselves. We remember that, that we've made choices that, that don't honor who God created us to be, that we make wrong decisions, that sometimes when we follow our hearts, we actually end up lost and broken in the darkness. And in those moments of quiet, we remember that. In fact, that's why some people stay so busy and they keep their lives so loud because as soon as it gets quiet, they start to be haunted by these thoughts and they don't know what to do with it. And it's just easier to stay loud and busy. We don't like to think about our failures, our doubts, our relational bike wrecks that we all have had. And the Bible tells us the truth about this. The Bible tells us the truth. Jesus had a good friend named John, and John wrote down the words that Jesus spoke, and he wrote a letter at one point in the New Testament. Here's what John wrote. He said, suppose we say we share life with God, but still walk in darkness. Then we are lying. We are not living by the truth. But suppose we walk in the light just as God is in the light. Well, then we share life with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, makes us pure from, from all sin. Well, how are we supposed to know the difference between light and dark? John goes on, he says, Suppose we claim that we are without sin. Then we are fooling ourselves. The truth is not in us. But God, God is faithful. God is fair. If we admit that we have sinned, he will forgive us our sins. He will forgive every wrong thing we have done. He will make us pure. We don't make us pure. God makes us pure through his forgiveness. If we claim to be perfect, we are fooling ourselves, John says. But we, we justify, right? We say, well, you don't understand the circumstances I've been through. You don't understand why I, did. I had good reason to do it. Or we compare ourselves. We say, well, I'm not doing that stuff over there. Look at what they're doing. I'm not that bad. And John just says, if we pretend like we're walking in the light when we're actually in darkness, because we're lying to ourselves. He says, we are exposed before God, and he can see exactly what's going on inside of us, exactly the choices we're making. We are naked before God. He sees everything. Adam and Eve, when they chose to move against God, they realized something quickly, right in the first book of the Bible. Their eyes were open, and they realized what? That they were naked. Why is it that they, that's the first thing they realized when sin entered the world? Why did they realize their nakedness? It's because it illustrates for us, you know that fear we have of being naked in front of people? It's all of our imperfections being able to be seen? That, that's echoed in our fear of people seeing the inside of us as well, our thought life, the things that I think about, the things that I dwell on in my heart, the images that I hold on to, the thoughts I have about other people. We have the same kind of fear that we would be naked in that way before others. We camo those things. We hide them out. We hope no one figures it out. But the good life that you were created for, the kind of life that you were made for, is not a hidden life. It's not a life that you have to hide and try to cover over. The good life is, is who you were created to be, who God made you to be. And in order to live into that good life, we have to acknowledge before God our brokenness, 
our sin, our rebellion. We have to open our lives to him. And confession is a key to doing that. It, it unlocks for us this good life, this blessed life. The practice of revealing ourselves to our holy God and inviting him to, to transform us and to create in us some new habits and some new rhythms. This is confession. And it brings into us the, the good life that we were created for. Look at verse 11 of Psalm 32. Right at the end, David says, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. We, we become righteous, we become right, living the right way as we are renewed by the Spirit of God, as we confess our brokenness and our need. Our hearts are turned into the right way, upright, become the right kinds of hearts as God works in us something new as we confess our sin and our brokenness. The good life is found as we confess. So, so how do we do this? How do we enter into the spiritual practice of confession? Well, it starts by opening our mouths. Look at verse 3. David writes, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away, though my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. We can hide out, but eventually we're going to have to open up our mouths. We can try to pretend like we're doing okay. We can keep things clammed up and, and stay hidden from God. But eventually it's going to tear us up on the inside so much. It's going to be like we're out in the summer sun working all day. We're just going to be exhausted and tired. And David says, just open it up. Open up to God. He sees it all anyway. You start by opening it up to him and asking, confessing that you need to be changed. And then in verse 5, we're going to stay on verse 5 for a few minutes, is the act of confession. Here's what it sounds like from David's perspective. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. There's three Hebrew words that were given for that word sin. And the Hebrew language is, is like a word picture language. So it's, it's difficult to translate it into English, our, our flat kind of English words. Uh, but there's three words in the Hebrew, which the Old Testament, most of the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. And there's three words for sin, word pictures that describe what sin is. And David uses all three of them in verse 5. All of them are found there. Sin, and then we translate another one, iniquity. And then we translate another Hebrew word, transgression. And these capture for us the act of confession. I start by acknowledging my sin. And the Hebrew word here is this idea of missing the target. Like if you were shooting at a, at a bullseye and trying to hit a bullseye and you miss it, that's what sin is. The failure to do what you were supposed to do. And the thing that you don't want to do, which is missing the target, you keep doing that. So, so sin is, we need to acknowledge our sin, our failure to, to hit the mark to do what we were created to do, to live out who God created us to be. That we don't do it. We miss the target. We miss the mark. It's the first step in confession. You have to name it and speak it and acknowledge it. And you, and you need to be specific about it. It's not just like, you know, I know I'm not perfect. You know, it's not that. It's saying, God, I know yesterday when I saw that friend and I said those words that it hurt them. It didn't honor who they were created by you. It hurt me. It hurt our, our friendship. God, I, I see that. I acknowledge that I missed the mark. I failed. We need to acknowledge our sin and our failure. And the next word for sin in the Hebrew here is iniquity. David writes, I did not cover up my iniquity. This is the idea of being lost, of, of being off the map, on a path. You know, God created you to walk a certain pathway. He made you on purpose to walk in a certain way, and, and we move off of that. We, we think we've got a better idea, and we get off the map. And so iniquity is this idea of lostness, and none of us, we don't like being lost. 
And uh, some of us have a hard time admitting that we're lost. We were, Angela and I were in Seattle a few years ago, and we got a rental car, and we were driving around the city trying to find a restaurant or a coffee shop, and I'd gone down several wrong, wrong way on several one-way streets, and I was, just, I was just circling, and she's like, Nate, are you lost? And I'm like, I'm a man. I am not lost, you know? <laughs> it's not how this works. I'm like, we are in Seattle. I know right where we are, all right? But I didn't know how to get to where we were. You know, that's not what she was asking. She knew we were in Seattle too. She wanted to know, can we get from where we are right now to where we want to be? And I, was, I, I couldn't admit I was lost. We need to expose our, lot, our lostness, expose our iniquity before God. This is the second step. If we want to come out of hiding, we need to name our sin, and then we need to identify where we are and how we're off. Where, where are we and where do we need to get to get back on to where God created us to be? What do you need when you're lost? You need a map. You need Google Maps, right? You need a map. The Word of God is our map. The Spirit of God is our compass. It can get us back onto the path that God created us for. David says, I stopped covering up my lostness. I acknowledged that I didn't know where I was going. I said, God, you've got to guide me. You've got to direct me. God created us with, with different desires, different uh, needs in our lives. They're good things, desires for good things. And he gave us ways to achieve those desires and, and meet those needs. But we take shortcuts. We jump off the map. We say, I got, I got a better plan. I, 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 he created us for a desire for joy. But we see something, fla- a little happiness flashing over here. Oh, that looks better. And we jump that way. We have to admit we're lost. He created us for intimacy and gave us good ways to be intimate with others, to have that kind of connection. But we take shortcuts we say, you know what, this looks easier to me. I'm going to get intimacy fast. And you jump over there and realize, oh, I just, I'm now in a broken relationship where this person has hurt me deeply because I settled for something less than what God created me for. Confession means we expose our, our poor navigation skills and we ask God to get us back onto the map. And the last Hebrew word in verse 5 here for a trans, is transgression. David says, I will, I will confess my transgressions. And the idea is like a, a line in the sand. And God has said, here's, here's the kind of life I have for you. And over there is, is another way to go, but it's, it's going to end up in pain and hardship and suffering. It's in the darkness. And he puts a line down and says, don't, don't go there. I love you. Don't go there. And when we transgress that line, when we step over that line, that's what sin is. We say, but that looks interesting. That looks new. I want to check that out. And, and God says, just turn around. Look behind you. I have acres and acres of open fields that you can run in freedom. I created you for joy and purpose and mission, and it's all right here. Why are you standing on the line? Why are you at the boundary? We need to bring truth to our transgressions, truthing our transgressions, our decisions. Now, I know that's bad grammar, okay, but I'm I'm turning truth into a verb here. The final step of confession is that we need to bring truth to our transgressions. Why is it that I'm tempted to step across that line when God has given me all this room to run in? Why is it I keep bouncing up against the boundaries? I need to bring truth to that. I need to ask God to help me see what he created me for, what he made me for, and step back from that line and enjoy the freedom he's given me. The shortcuts that we take will always lead to a lesser life. That's what the truth is. you can know the truth, and the truth will do what? It will set you free. That's what Jesus said. So the truth will set you free. Confession is acknowledging your failure, exposing your lostness, and tr- truthing your transgressions. That's what it means to confess. A, a spiritual practice that you can, you can take on every day 
and invite God to bring something new into your life. Someone once said, sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will cost, uh, keep you longer than you want to stay. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Sin looks great at times, but the Bible tells us, the truth tells us that it's, it's off the map. It's going to lead to brokenness and darkness and pain. How do you change that story? Well, you confess. You keep an open account with God. When you get to the end of your day, you say, God, let's look back at this day together. I saw this moment and this moment and this moment where I know I wasn't doing what you made me to do. When I hurt that person or I hurt myself or I doubted this, I confess to you that, I, that I'm off and I need you to get me back on to the path you created me for. And when you bring yourself before a holy God and you confess to him that you are broken and need his direction, what will God do? David says, he will forgive. He forgives. God forgives you. In verse 5, David says, and the Father, our Father God, will forgive the guilt of my sin. John, in that letter he wrote to his friends in the New Testament, he said, if we confess, God is faithful and he is just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness, everything that is not right, that God did not create us for, he will purify us from that. We confess and he forgives. He is faithful, he is just. He doesn't just sweep it under the rug and pretend like it's no big deal. He says, Jesus came to carry the weight of your sin and your rebellion, and Jesus paid for it. When he came and he died on that cross, he took our sin, he offered himself up for us. And when we believe that, when we confess and believe that, we are forgiven. He is the good life. John says, the blood of Jesus, his son, makes us pure from all sin. Jesus is, is the way that we're to walk. He is the only truth. He is the good life. Look at verse 6, 7, and 8 here of Psalm 32. This is what David, David says. Here's what the good life is. Therefore, let, us all, let all the faithful pray to God while you, he may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place, God. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. The forgiveness of God means that the waters won't drown us. And as a guy that's been in a flood and almost went under, that is a truth that we hold on to. God will protect us and hold us. He will sing songs of deliverance around us. He will instruct and guide us. The wisdom of God will counsel us. This is the good life. This is what you and I were created for. Why would we fight against that? And David says, don't be like a horse. Don't be like a mule that has to have a bit and a bridle put on it. I once rode a mule in Bryce Canyon National Park. My dad took us there when I was younger. He said, let's go on a horseback ride. And I don't know if my dad was cheap or couldn't afford a real horse because I was on a mule. That's all I know. <laughs> and uh, this was an ugly, bitter mule. I think he had horns coming out of his head. He didn't really like me. And uh, I forget what his name was, but let's pretend like his name was Pepper Shack. All right. So I'm riding Pepper Shack and you're going along this canyon and the wall just drops. I mean, it just drops off. And uh, Pepper Shack decided he was hungry, and he saw a tuft of grass about four feet down the side of the canyon, and he went for it. And so I'm leaning back on the back of this mule as he's trying to get this, this grass. And the guide looks back and goes, Nate, pull on the reins. And so I yanked on those reins so hard that that mule made a noise I've never heard a horse make in my life. And it got back up on the trail. 
and, and started going forward again. It was, I think I heard it. I didn't want to hurt it, but it was like me, you know, like we're going to die or you're going to get back up on the trail. And, and David says, don't be like a mule. That has to be forced, I mean, yanked back onto the path. That's a painful process. He says, just simply confess and open yourself to what the Spirit of God is doing. There will come a day when we will be brought into line with the glory of God. There will be a moment that we will realize the divine as he breaks into this shadowy world. And, and confession allows us to know his glory and to know his righteousness and to know what it means to be filled by the Spirit of God and to live the life we were created to live. So do the deep work of confession, not just feeling sorry about what you've done, not just being upset about the mess that you've made, pull back the covers, come out of hiding, allow God to see all, just to open it up to him. Say, I confess this to you. Your, your ability to acknowledge it creates an opportunity for him to transform you and to breathe something new. He is good. He is faithful. He is just. He will forgive. That's the truth. He takes pleasure in welcoming you into the good life. I want to close by watching a, a short video that captures this idea of confession with you. And I want to invite the worship team to come up. They're going to sing a song with us at the end here. But this video captures confession and the idea of, of rainfall. I don't know, last Sunday it was beautiful and warm, but then we had rain, right? You guys remember the rain on Monday and Tuesday? I don't know if you noticed. I think I noticed this on Tuesday. It was like my grass, the yard went green in one day, it seemed like. It's like a Sunday it was brown and dry. The sun came out, the rain came, and then light, new life. It was like it woke up from its slumber of the winter. And, and that's what this video is about. When it comes to confession, it's God wakes us up to a new kind of life. So watch this video with me. Rain down on me, almighty God. Shower me with your grace. Flood me with your mercy. For I am a dry and barren land, consumed by the rot of my sin, burdened beneath the weight of my transgressions. Pour out your loving kindness. Drench my heart with your presence. Renew my soul, refresh my purpose, reignite my passion. Rain down on me as I own my iniquities. Rain down on me as I humbly confess. Rain down on me as I enter your presence. Rain down on me, almighty God. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for the life you created us to live. And we ask that you would help us to confess to you our need and our brokenness. Speak to us now. Help us to hear from you. I want to invite you to stand with me right now. And I want to invite our, our prayer team up every Sunday after church. We've got volunteers up front here that are available to pray with you and encourage you. And as we uh, finish up with some songs together, I want to invite you, if, if you feel like God's speaking to you right now, 
and you'd like to have someone talk with you about that, pray with you about it. Uh, maybe it's, uh, you know, you're wanting to confess that you need to be forgiven and that you've never really had a chance to talk to God about that and understand that Jesus gave his life for you and you want to come up and let us pray with you about that. This is a great chance to do that. Uh, you can come up front and just, just pray up here if you'd like. You can pray right where you're at and even kneel where you're at. Whatever posture God invites you to take, I want to encourage you to do that while we're singing together. So uh, let's worship him right now. Thanks so much for being here this morning. It's been good to be together. I hope that you feel like God has spoken to you. Our prayer volunteers will be up here even after the service. If you'd like to come up, let them lift you up and encourage you today through prayer. As you've got your uh, connection cards, if you want to drop these, if you have offering or any gifts for the church, you can drop those in the joy boxes in the back of the room. That's right. We're going to celebrate generosity. Thanks for doing that. As you go, might you know that you are walking, you can be walking with God, that the light of his salvation can surround you, that you can bring hope and light to the dark places in this world. So go and show his love to your neighbor, to your friend, to your family. Express his grace to those around you. Be a blessing in their life. We'll see you next Sunday. Amen.